You're listening to the Art of Floating podcast. back to another episode of the Art of Floating podcast where float centers thrive. This is a weekly podcast that tells our stories of running a float center. We like to give tips on starting and running our own float centers and give news from around the world on the events of floating. You can find us on Facebook at The Art of Floating. You can find us on Twitter at Artful Floating. And you can join the conversation on the show by leaving a speak pipe at theartoffloating.com. There's a gold bar on the left side of your screen. If you click on that, you can leave a voicemail and we will play it on the show and uh, answer your question or address any issues that you bring up. Um, on today's show, I'm really excited to have Lance's business coach, John McKenzie, on the show. Um, we're going to bring him, him on a little bit later here, but uh, we're going to find out about what the purpose of a business coach is, and, and we'll pick his brain and, and hopefully get some insights for you for basically a little free session here with a business coach. So that'll be fun. Um, and before I bring uh, Amy and Lance on here, I just want to give a shout out to our um, sponsors here, Float Away. The simple act of floating in warm, salty water is the most relaxing experience on Earth. This has been Float Away's byline for more than 15 years. It's true of each of the eight different models and in all 40 or so countries where happy customers float in Float Away float tanks. Floataway is proud of the especially equipped round pools in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where research is really putting floating on the mainstream map. You can check them out at www.floataway.com and find out how the company has pioneered new techniques, new shapes, and new ideas in floating. The founders, Colin and Ginny Stanwell-Smith, are world experts on every aspect of flotation technology. Floataway is a family business within the floating family. Again, you can check them out at floataway.com. All right. Amy, how are you doing? Hey there, I'm doing fantastic. Thank Sweet. you, thank you. Glad to hear so it. So good to be here. Lance, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm, I'm with Amy. I'm very excited for the podcast this week. Me too. I'm excited to chat with you guys. Excited to be here. It's It's yeah. been a couple of weeks since we've chatted, so I feel like there's a lot to cover, and we've got a, we'll have a, a dense episode today. I'm super excited to speak with John later on. Um, I do want to just share real quick that I'm so... I'm, uh, I am just out of a float. Um, super excited that I just got out of our new float tank. Um, we put salt in last night, and and uh, I was actually able to float for about 30 minutes here, and it was quiet. It was amazing. I was so excited. Um, <laughs> so it's an isopod. It's it's really deep. Uh, it feels like a very large float tank. I've I've never had a float tank with lights under the water before, so that was really fun to play with and. It's a really pretty tank. It's a really beautiful room too. It's it's really coming together. We've we made a couple decisions that felt really on the fly, like putting trim around the walls, and it um, makes what could feel make uh, what the room could feel kind of sterile, but it really gives a lot of atmosphere and makes it feel cozy. So I'm just so excited about that. Um, we did find out that our door is showing up late. Um, so we, <laughs> we threw up a hollow core door real quick and, um, actually our, our guy who's been doing all the, the work for us, uh, did a really good job of putting it up because I just wanted something temporary thrown up there and, um, he made it look really nice, which I'm excited about. But, uh, um, it, it's been... <sighs> So basically, we did a beta test. Uh, we sold floats that I think it was ten or twenty dollars off the regular price, and you can float 
for cheap before everybody else, but we get to pick your brain afterwards. And so I was okay with a few things not being set up, like our fan isn't installed yet, and, and I'm fine with that. But I do want, you know, the soundproofing and all that stuff to be intact. So um, I'm a little little disappointed that um, our door is being delayed by a week and a half. So we were going to have our door in there by time April 1st. We're going to announce to the public that April 1st will be our live date. Um, and now that's that's not going to – we'll still announce that, but we're still going to be using the old door, which is unfortunate. But we'll have everything else dialed by then. So um, what do you guys think? Is that okay to go live without being 100% yet? Yeah, yeah I, I don't think there's Absolutely. no issue. Yeah. Okay. And, and especially if you have your beta testers, are you still going to start them this week? Yes, yeah, that we have our first floaters starting tomorrow, 10 a.m. Mm-hmm. Awesome. No, that's I think that's yeah. great. I like how you um you are doing that little discount and you're able to question and pick their brain after because that feedback initially when you're setting up a tank, um, especially one you're not familiar with, like an isopod, humidity is going to be different, your water temperature may be different, and right. the accuracy of those settings are going to be different. So it may take, you know, a few floats to actually dial that all in. So sure. um, I really like what you're doing. With us getting set up for our other float tank, I think that's something I might uh, steal from you. <laughs> nice. Steal away. And, and now that I think about it, I don't even know that we needed to discount the amount. Like, I always, I think it's fun to, to do a little discount and it's a little nod to our customers and i think everybody always likes a deal but with how beautiful the tank is and everything it i don't think we necessarily had to people are excited to be in this thing for the first time there's there's some natural excitement there and so they could have been beta testers at the regular price and and got in so i don't know that you have to but i kind of thought it was fun too I think some of it is even novelty of being, yes. you know, oh, it's a beta test. <laughs> I'm the first one. It feels so exactly. cool. And, and them having the experience of interacting with you about their float. And, you know, that's, I think, yeah, it's a lot of experience that comes on with it, not just yeah. uh, discounted yeah, price. Exactly. You know? um, Did you limit the amount of beta testers that you took on? Did Was it a, no. a limited deal? You know, we no? sent, um, we were contemplating, um, at some point putting a cap on it, but we didn't have enough people. Um, we sent an email blast out and we got, I think it was around 25 people interested. And, um, you know, we were contemplating posting on Facebook and everything, but it, it felt like a good amount to do what a beta test is. I mean, we don't want to stress test it yet. Like it's not like a computer software online where we're trying to get as many users online and see how to, how to, how many it takes to break it <laughs> we we want a light load and and test things like lance mentioned earlier so um that was perfect and i mean technically we could have made more money sooner by doing that by doing more pre-sale stuff but we didn't promote it at all after that initial email um, and we're we're pretty happy with it um but yeah well congratulations um, i'm sure I think this almost this entire podcast we've been listening <laughs> yeah. to this story of uh, this room right. being built and you acquiring the tank uh, and it being put in storage and moved in and the flooring like it's been a, a fun story that we've been able to listen to and, and our listeners have been able to catch. So congratulations. Mm-hmm. That's uh, exciting. Thank you, sir. It, I, I, so I got into the float tank, mm-hmm. closed the lid, um, turned out the light and I just started laughing. I just started laughing and laughing and laughing. And it's like, oh, my God, I'm floating in our Zen room here, this place where, you know, yeah. it had its purpose for years here. And we spent four mm-hmm. or five months every Tuesday remodeling this room. And I am burnt out on this project. I am so done with this project. And 
it, it felt like crossing the finish line it felt really good. So, yeah, thanks, Lance. And, and you know, um, I, I was talking to a, a friend about uh, ceremony, how important ceremony can be. And um, I think we should do a ribbon cutting to celebrate the opening of the float tank just so there is a little bit of pomp and circumstance around it to, to celebrate, just to kind of put a flag on it, you know, because um, I'm, I'm excited. And I don't want to just move on to the next thing without celebrating first, <laughs> you know. I'm a big fan of that. And you worked so hard. It absolutely deserves a celebration for sure. Thanks. Thanks. I, I worked hard, but, man, um, Marty Gibbons, our, our contractor, worked an insane amount. And one of our employees, Abris, uh, put in, uh, I mean, above and beyond would be an absolute understatement. I, I can't believe how much this guy has shown and how much work he's put into it. Uh, going under the house and doing stuff, uh, and the flooring, the insulation, gross stuff. You know, I mean, he's he's been everywhere uh, with this project. It's been amazing. So uh, it's nice to have mostly arrived. There's still work to be done. I'll still be talking about this in future episodes, by all means. There's there's more to be done. But, um, oh, and I do I do want to spend, like, maybe even, like, a full episode going over everything we did in this. So um, I, I know some people have brought up, like, they're really curious about soundproofing that I used or the flooring or what have you. And um, I think there are a lot of really cool things that I did, and I think there are mistakes that I've made as well. And so I really want to share those to everybody um, as well. But we'll I think that's worth maybe a full episode in, in the future. Um, what's that, Lance? <laughs> oh no, I think that's awesome. Nice. I'd love to. Uh, uh, yeah, full episode. That's good. Sweet, cool. I Might know. You, <clears throat> I know during the uh, whole process of your soundproofing, specifically, um, you were doing lots of video recordings. Um, it'd be cool to yes. uh, see what you uh, put out with that as well. I know you worked really hard at no, your Lance. soundproofing. You did some some things even I learned a few techniques with your, your springs and stuff you've been using and your floating floor. That's all mm. pretty cool stuff. So get that video out. <laughs> well, if, if I've taught you something, Lance, then I know I've arrived. Good, good. <laughs> Uh, nice. Yeah, I think uh, at your suggestion, I'll go ahead and do that. I'll create a YouTube video. <laughs> um, Amy, I'm, I'm uh, excited yeah. to talk about, about your, your week or two here. Um, I think <laughs> there's two, two things that you want to talk about. I'm excited about both of them. I'll let you choose what you want to talk about first. <laughs> well, I'm going to start with what's most exciting to me this week, and that is that we are extraordinarily close to closing on our building and hence closing oh, on this new project nice. that we're starting. Yeah, it's real exciting. Um, I'm super excited about it. You know, we've been working on this since last August, which is uh, really too long to be working on a project huh. like this. It's pretty un unusual. Uh, we've had a lot of things go wrong, uh, but uh, we're gonna we're gonna power through to the very end. <laughs> so there's a few things that fall into place, but that's okay. We're gonna just we're gonna hammer them into place if we have to. Nice. Very excited. Nice. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. you. Thank you. Uh, and so by yeah, go big or go home. By next episode, will we know? Is that right? We well, here's what the deal is. Um, we have to. There's been some uh, things coming up where if we do not close by the middle of April, uh -huh. we will lose lose the building, okay. lose the deal. Okay. So, um, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's going to close by the middle of April. I promise. <laughs> I have been. Sweet. <laughs> it will. I'll it. make it happen. I get really, uh, uh, I get really determined and I make things, I'll make things happen. Yeah, we'll be all right. I believe so that about we're you. We're good. Nice. I, 
Yep. So I'm just going to declare it right now. <laughs> Done. By middle signed. of April. It's signed, sealed, and delivered. <laughs> and we'll be on to the fun stuff. Speaking and of that's when we're going to have, that's when we need to have your episode, Dylan, on all your fun build out because we'll nice. be needing some of that advice. Sweet. Cool. Uh, yeah. I, there are so many differences in uh, styles of soundproofing for different you know, cement floors wood floors location mm. uh second floor first floor so many different variables I'd, I'd love to start talking about that of my experience and your environment and the things that i know or that need to be researched for your environment that's going to be a lot of fun yeah sweet cannot Congratulations. wait cannot wait out. thank you thank you <laughs> well, what's the, and we had a, yeah what's we had some thing? excitement this mm-hmm. week around our place so so I do live in Nashville, um, float Nashville, and we do have our fair share of celebrities of sorts, musicians, and even a TV show now. Oh, um, right. And we do have some celebrities kind of come and go, um, but for the most part, uh, either we don't recognize them, I'm not a country music fan, um, and I don't watch the show Nashville. So, you know, we, we know we've had some peeps in there, but but nothing uh, real big. Does anybody... Um, this last weekend... Does anybody mm-hmm. in their location watch their TV shows? Because I don't watch Portlandia. You don't watch <laughs> don't, Nashville. I don't watch Nashville. Um, Too cool. I don't watch TV much in general. I have to I don't watch Red Deer uh, in. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that's quite thrilling. I would watch that. Totally. It's a slow burn, but it gets that. you. When the hooks get in. <laughs> I just imagine it's like a modern little house on the prairie. <laughs> I'm sorry. Complete with sweaters. <laughs> yeah, nice. sweaters. Mm, good. Good times. Uh, that's great. <laughs> so, uh, this, this last week, um, even though we do have, we have systems in place, by the way, to deal with this stuff. For the most, we, we leave them alone. And sure. if anybody recognizes them or they make themselves known. Um, but this last week, we had a rather major country music star come in Sweet. and that's when we found where we have some holes in our system uh what do you mean especially when there's tourists involved uh. um so uh while we have a tendency to keep things on the on the quiet and the down low sure. um it can get a little i don't want to say out of hand that's <laughs> probably not the correct word to use uh but we found out that there's we we not only have to have systems in place to deal with the artists themselves um but also perhaps if there are some errant tourists running around <laughs> we need to we need to help them decide how to deal with that as well <laughs> in our it. locations so, so what would um fortunately how do you handle it i'm sorry um basically uh, we do uh tell our our employees and we d- we have agreed that we do not mention names mm. uh, we don't bring anything up unless they do uh-huh. um if i would have known that someone this big was coming in i would have made sure that their intake was separate mm. um as well uh, we didn't have that heads up, yeah. and I, of course, don't have that system written down. Shame on me. Um, learned that the hard way. So, mm. so we do have a tendency to to keep things on the quiet. We don't post on Instagram. I I basically wrote our system based on what I did as a massage therapist. I know that we are not covered under HIPAA as float uh, as float therapy locations, uh, mm. but I just feel yeah. that it's a good it's a good way to to make it to make it happen yeah I, keep things quiet I keep them comfortable mm-hmm. i i am curious so we we do have celebrities who come in we've got a few t- tv shows uh filming in portland we have uh 
sports teams here and everything, and, and we'll come in and have uh, celebrities come in. And I always, if I recognize them at the time, I, I, I never think to take a picture with them or ask them for a photograph or anything. Because I mean, social media, it's so easy to just get a little something up mm-hmm. on your on your Facebook page and your Instagram, which I'm still working on, Lance, and and your Twitter. So how do you, <laughs> um, how do you how do you handle that? Is it worth it to ask for that, or is that imposing on a, a human being? You know, I think that's so um, individual. So for me, for my comfort zone, uh, I personally would not unless we have a relationship with them. So we do have a pro football player who has been coming in very regularly. Mm. Um, In fact, he just brought his mother in this week uh, to talk to us. They're going to start a float center down where he's from. Oh, no way. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we talked. We had some time with them. But now that we have this relationship, I might ask to bring it up on on instagram or there's actually a news channel that would like to do a story Mm. and would like to have a floater to talk to and i'm thinking oh nice um, actually we've already spoken to him about about speaking on that cool um but there's a relationship there it's not it doesn't feel like imposing and i'm not embarrassed to do it so i feel like that's a good sign that maybe it's time got it lance do you have any thoughts on that uh famous people (laughs) Is that, is that what's in the, the, the television? Uh, yeah, no, I don't. Um, we don't have any standards for famous people. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. You have 10 I pages of documentation. Okay, no, all right. I, I cannot contribute here. I thought you'd have that under lock and key, Lance. Right. Maybe like a famous I chuck understand. wagon racer or something like that, a pro bull rider. You know, that's. What's a chuck wagon? <laughs> Never yeah. mind. We'll leave it at that. We'll leave it at what? That. Seriously, <laughs> All right. it's, it's a wagon with old wooden wheels that races behind horses in a track. I feel like an idiot, okay. like explaining okay. what a chuck wagon is. Spartacus style. We're such. Right, a, yeah, we're pretty. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, we're. Yeah. El- Got to be ready Alberta. for Alberta. That's all I have to say. Uh, no it. famous people. Yeah. No famous people. I understand. It's probably something not everyone deals with, but in the larger cities, <laughs> you right, never yeah. know. You never know. And it's good to know you have something in, uh, in place ahead of time so that employees yeah. don't act in a For way sure. that you might not want them to. Uh, yeah. Sorry to go Just back saying. To Just putting it out there. My employees acted beautifully, by the way. I, nice. I'm not. Uh, in our case, they were, they were perfect. Excellent. Uh, um, so I'm very proud. Just because I'm, I'm so distracted by, by Canada, if I can real quick, I, I was playing some, some shuffleboard at a, a local pub, and uh, my, my wife and I were playing shuffleboard, having a good time, and this big crew of, of people were playing next to us, and we realized they were, they were Canadian, and they, they had uh, kind of French-Canadian accent, it seemed, and, and uh, eventually I, I went up to them and I was like, hey, are, you, are any of you guys from Red Deer, Canada? And they all... Turned their heads at each other, looked back and forth, and one of them went, I think I passed through Red Deer once. And I was like, okay, okay, cool, cool. I I just, I have a friend, I have a friend in Red Deer. Um, I think it it added just a little bit of perspective of of where you're at. Because you do, you talk about it as being kind of small, townish, but um, just a little bit of perspective. Anyway. um, Oh boy, I John's gonna be on fire when we bring him on the show. <laughs> this is gonna get ugly fast. Um, I guess it's not so much about would you have a uh, a coach, a business coach? Is would the, would that business coach have you? Is now the question. <laughs> would John have me. One's got yeah, to wonder. Fired his clients before you. Um, <laughs> yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah, before, you before we even ask. <laughs> 
Oh. Lance, you own yes. uh, the float shack in, in Red Deer. Um, and uh, you have an interesting story this week. What's what's your deal? Uh, well, we, we've been working on a float room. We're getting ready to add that third float tank I spoke about. Um, so our, tow- our showers are t- tiled up, and we are just got the grout on, waiting to put the sealer on. It's important to let that cure for three days. Three days for grout, three days for sealer. Very important to everyone. Salt is a killer. Nice. Um, but yeah, we've just been working on our other projects, and we had a bank meeting, which was very exciting, and um, we got some wonderful compliments on how prepared we were and how uh, well we had everything put together. Nice. So that nice. was really comforting, wow. but we were still left with some homework. So, um, yeah. So at the bank, I'm, and this is something I think a lot of people are interested in, um, what were you so prepared with? What were they impressed by? Um, well, we went there on a couple different matters. Um, we, came prepla- we came prepared with a business plan. Um, that broke down everything you can possibly think of for a business. So um, what our business is, our industry projections, or I mean our industry research, um, our financial projections, um, you know, how we're going to market it, um, what we've done already, our timeline, uh, where we want to be in three years from now. Um, mm. Yeah, we just had to break down everything. Matthew worked very hard on it. Um, and John was a great guide through the whole thing. Um, just, you know, able to review it and, and sort of give us his perspective on, on sort of what the bank would um, want to see from it. And just some powerful tools for charts and um breaking down like cost per goods or cost per service and mm-hmm. yeah but we were just really prepared everything was neatly nicely presented and cool. we had charts and graphs and spreadsheets and text and yeah so that's so the bank is is going to be really nice. interested in your outgoing costs i mean like all that's well they're can looking, I say that'd be the most important thing that they're going to be looking at is that you have your your financial ducks in a row yeah well they want to make sure we're organized they want to make sure we're not going to go under they want to make sure our idea or plan can actually generate income to pay back the money they're giving us so they break down all of our bills right now all the money we have outgoing can we afford the extra x amount of dollars for this loan or this mm-hmm. you know whatever so um they yeah. do all that but they also you know look at you look at your presentation look how prepared you are um, when when they're having that meeting at you, they're looking to see if they can look you in the eye when you're telling this stuff and you're not, you know, completely nervous because it's all lies. And I don't know. I think there's a oh, there's a lot to it. And there's so many different levels it goes through. So the, the if you can present it well to the banker, when they present it to their, you know, next person in line who approves it to them, they're going to do a better job at that. So, cool. um, yeah, I don't know. Nice. Just felt good. It nice felt way. good to get a compliment, yeah. you know, yeah. saying that um, it's. He's like, yeah. I wish all my clients came this well presented. You know? Damn, yeah. When the bank is complimenting you, that's that's nice work. Nice. Yeah. But we still have homework, and you know, there's still lots to do. So, of course. all I can say is we were well presented. Nice, so. nice. There, there was something else though with Facebook that I'm interested in. Oh. Uh, <laughs> uh, certain purchases. No, week? there's no purchases. There, Lance. I, I, are you talking about that comment no, that happened no. to come up? That, yeah, that, that thermometer the wasn't about? a thermometer that you purchased this week. 
Oh, that wasn't what I was talking about. What's up with the oh, thermometer? Oh, which one were you for? <laughs> well, I bought, that's a little bit of a personal note, but I managed to buy a, oh. a, a, a thermometer oh. or a thermostat oh, no. for my house off a site uh, much yeah, like Craigslist. And um, yeah. it's just called Kijiji. It's just a used classified place. But I went and purchased this thermostat and I came home and I found uh, everything in the box was lightly dusted with cocaine. <laughs> and there was a beautiful scale in there and about a thousand little two gram baggies. So that's insane. Uh, yes. On social media. <laughs> I also had <laughs> so a good lesson. Good on lesson. Um, <laughs> where we yeah, because I, I know a lot of us buy secondhand. A lot I don't of know what the lesson was. Can. I wish. Um, I don't know if I, I know where the cocaine dealers live. That's all I can say. Um, that's yeah, my maybe nice. lesson. Um, but on social media, I actually we actually had another yeah. float center, or uh, I should say, business with a float tank sort of solicit our clients i guess was that the right word solicit our clients on our facebook page so we were, we had a, a comment thread going and then they actually just posted like the address and the name of that float center like trying to direct their clients to them saying that um they have a float pod trying to direct them to them saying that they had a couple's float tank um, i don't know very many people mm -hmm. that run couples floats in a float pod um, that's one thing, right. um, but I think it's very, very, very greasy to go onto someone's <laughs> brand image, Facebook website, whatever, and try and sell your business through them. You know, that's, um, not professional. It's not proper. It doesn't reflect them as a professional business. And it, you know, we're right. not the only ones that see it. Our clients see that. And that could turn a lot of them away because, you know, people don't respect that kind of thing. So, yeah, exactly. And I think, and this came up in Float Facilitators, yes. the Facebook group, which if anybody's not on there, join Float Facilitators. But um, this happened to somebody else, and and he was kind of curious, like how how do I handle this situation? And um, so, how did you handle it? And first of all, um, I didn't actually handle it. Uh, my business partner Matthew did, and he sort of okay. private. He he deleted the comment or blocked the comment he or deleted the comment but he did not block this gentleman from the page because mm, okay you know and he private messaged him and said that you know it's not proper to be doing that can you please you know work on your own facebook page and you know leave ours be and and then he sort of had some response to that which didn't make much sense and uh, mm. that's sort of where it ended but okay um, yeah never went very far but just it's just weird seeing other people's strategies or moves they'll make lack thereof. Yeah, lack thereof or moves they'll make in desperation to to yeah. pay their bills or get by. Everyone's in a different circumstance, so who knows? And I think we'd all be in agreement and I think we could really pull no. any group of people no. and they would all agree that that doesn't represent the business well. I mean it I mean, a business has certain mm -hmm. avenues that they're used to communicating through or used to, you're used to seeing businesses communicate through certain, certain media and everything. And yeah. on other people's Facebook pages, you just don't see that. I mean, you see people spamming weird links and stuff in comment threads yeah. on YouTube. That's what it feels like to me. And so that's not going to represent very well. And so I, it only makes them look bad. And it, it's just like you said, they don't they don't really have a strategy. Their strategy is poaching from other people's using your brand at, 
I really don't think you have to worry about that. It's really they're just making themselves look bad. Um, but yeah, I think you should totally be comfortable clicking the block button or the deleting somebody's comment when it's something like that. I, I have no problem with that whatsoever. Um, and and is it out of his house? Is it a legit? No, it's business? um. I, I spoke about them before on this podcast. It's a it's a business. They actually sell like rave gear, like LED lights and cat hats and boots and like things like that. But they're just so happen to. Um, a float tank. They're they're stuck with a float tank. Oh wow! Uh, it'd be a whole a whole long discussion explaining how and sort of probably not something for me to speak on how they're stuck with this float tank. But they have this float mm. tank. Um, they're not passionate about okay. it. They're not, you know, it's not their Got thing. It. They just Got have it. it and they can generate money from it. So, have you ever had that happen on your social media? Fortunately, I have not. I've had a few people uh, make comments, but they'd be potential floaters or make comments like, oh, I'd never get in that or, you know, that doesn't look like fun to me. Um, and I think we met, we talked about this a little bit before the episode started where sometimes those comments, they're not necessarily something to be f- feared from other potential floaters that can start conversations. But um, when it comes to other float tank centers, I would do just like Lance did, I think, delete the comment and uh, approach them and approach private level uh, and I think most people watching your page would understand that as well um, I don't I, I think people innately know that's that's not a cool thing to do right. and would understand deleting do you ever delete um, like a potential uh, just like somebody who likes your Facebook page not a business but they can do, have you ever had people say weird things or maybe quote-unquote bad things about your business or question your business Honestly, I, I can't remember. Cool, good, uh, good. I don't I don't think we have. Not so far. There's been a few neg- like I said, negative as far as oh I'd never do that. Um, but most of the time our other floaters will jump in and and comment on it. It's I really haven't nice, had anything nice. fa- <laughs> so now I'm saying it, I'm putting it out there, but um, fingers crossed, <laughs> knock on wood. Right. So far we've been pretty lucky. Lance, this is the first time you've experienced anything like that? I've had people have negative comments on on stuff, but like, like Amy said, we spoke about this in previous episodes where I've often think a negative comment is a place for you to show your like business, the passion side in your business where you're allowed to um, address their concern and answer that in the most appropriate way possible. And your customers are also going to see that, that you can properly address that negative concern and do what you have to do to either fix that so no one else has yeah. a negative concern or, you know, you understand what I mean, right? Yeah, and and that's yeah. funny. When we first opened, we had somebody uh, comment on on our I think, something about basically just like charging money for what we're doing, or maybe it was too much money. I forget what it was. Um, and we mm. kind of had a, a back and forth where, like, at first I didn't. They, they didn't seem like negative, like they had negative intent, and so I, I kind of we had a conversation about it, and it it was kind of fine. But then I realized he kind of did. He had this weird negative angle and I eventually just deleted the whole conversation and then my wife and business partner Sandra was like hey that we kind of sounded good in that conversation and and that 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 actually kind of worked for us you shouldn't have deleted that I was like oh shoot right okay I I, I don't have to be fearful about somebody questioning our price publicly that that's okay you know if we we have good justification for it Um, we we announced our new tank opening or, or teased it opening soon and one of the first comments was $70 to 
bounce around the edges of a tank for 90 minutes. No thanks. And I just liked the comment <laughs> as the float shop and was done with it. I didn't feel like there was anything else to do. But at this time, I felt no urgency mm -hmm. to delete it because I, I don't know how he even saw the, the comment because does he like the float shop or not? I, I don't know. Didn't even look into it. But anybody who's into floating and sees that comment... They're either going to defend it, laugh and move on, or, you know, there's no, there was just no need to, to do anything, in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. Is there any, anything else you guys want to share before we bring in our guest into the studio? I'm, a, <laughs> I'm excited for the guest. Me too. <laughs> Sweet. Well, um, we have John McKenzie, Lance's business coach with us here. How are you doing, John? I'm doing great. How are you? Excellent. Very well. Very well. Would you mind introducing yourself? What exactly it is that you do? I'm a business coach. Um, and I think most business coaches have slightly different views of what that is. It's not a consultant where you walk in, solve a problem, give the owner the, owner the binder and leave. I'm usually with my clients for, for at least six months and I've got one or two that are three years. Uh, mm -hmm. So basically we start with questions and sometimes if I'm starting brand new, that's, a, that's an alignment. That's a 20 some odd pages of questions. Then from there, we develop a set of goals and you, it's the owner that develops the goals. Um, and through a little bit of education um, and we start to execute the tasks and basically my job is to hold them accountable for that. And then when you reach the goal, celebrate. That's nice. we don't do enough of it. Celebrate. Yes, agreed. My favorite part. One of the things to do when you're actually setting a goal is the last question to ask is, how am I going to feel when I get that done? Mm. You know, huh. do some emotion into it. Yeah. You're, you're definitely yeah. resonating me with me right now on our new float tank. <laughs> that, that rings really true. Um, yeah, go ahead. Well, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I'm curious about that and I want to ask more, but I'm also curious about where you come from and how you came to this place where... You guide other people in their own businesses. Well, um, first of all, I believe if you're a business coach, you better have owned a business. Um, so I've owned five. Uh, probably for about the last well, about 25 years ago, I started um, coaching, not coaching, but consulting. Mm -hmm. And that morphed into coaching. So I did the consulting end for about uh, 10 or 12 years. And consulting for? Oh, I did... Um, really understanding business. So I did document oh. management and workflow in a corporation. Mm. Really exciting stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Very important. Yeah, the sharp yeah. stick yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you really learn business doing that. Absolutely. Um, and then I became a coach. I've coached um, in the Middle East, in the States, Canada. So I've, and as I said, I've owned five businesses. So, and I've been in sales and sales manager. I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> Please. Uh, lots of experience. Right. That's all. You started in your youth. I understand. I, I did when I was two. Right. right. <laughs> Consulting at two. Uh. Workflow design. Yeah. Um, when, when should somebody hire a business coach? Is it before they start their business? Is it six months after they open? Is it when they think they're about to go out of business? Is it when they think they're, they just need to quit their business because they can't handle it anymore? Um, when they're about to go to business, that took them probably a few years to get that point. Uh -huh. Two weeks isn't going to save them. Um, <laughs> brutal truth. Uh, most of my, yeah. my clients are, they just got stuck at some point. What do I do now? 
or how do I do this? I need somebody just to help me over this hump. Mm-hmm. And that's usually where the business coach comes in. And it can be when you first start a business because a lot of people get stuck right at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, or it's in the first year. Or it can be some of my clients in the trades end of the world are the magic number there is basically um, about three to five million dollars in revenue, maybe a little bit more, 30 staff, you know, that kind of thing. And now they can't micromanage each one of them. They're stuck. So oh, at that point... Somebody's stuck, that's when they should hire a coach. Got it. Yeah. I just want to sort of explain why we decided to work yeah. with John and how that all came about. So um, when we started, there's three of us um, in the float shack. There was myself, uh, Matthew, and our other partner, Cole. And uh, we were doing our thing. We, we were doing pretty good. The float shack was growing. It was people were floating. Um, But we realized our biggest um, problem came down to communication. So I was working a job. Cole was working another job. And Matthew was at the float shack full time. So with us three, three of us being all over the place, we had a very hard time communicating. That would lead to arguments. That would lead Mm. to um, just not feeling comfortable when the other person is working around you. And it's like it it just it just got really, really tense. Um, We set all of our goals together of where we wanted to be throughout construction, opening, all that. And once we reached those goals, we never aligned those goals or set those goals again and where we're going to be in six months or a year from now. So we were all running in different directions. And it was hard to sort of weave this together to make a, a, a operation that was fluent and, and flowed nicely. Um, <laughs> and then there was actually this one lady that came by and she was trying to sell herself. She was moving from the other side of the country and she was, she called herself a business coach. But um, after she presented herself, she seemed more like a, like an elaborate party planner where she just planned big events to, (laughs) you know, she wanted to plan a party to bring people in. And Oh, funny. uh, She was really cute and pretty good looking. And I think Matt was sort of connecting with that. And I put barriers up. I was like, you're sitting way too close to her for a business meeting. I was like, I think we need to go and have an interview with this John fellow that you met eight months ago through, I think it was through the Chamber of Commerce here, the local chamber, I believe. And um, we sat down, had an interview with John, and he explained about goal setting, about aligning our visions, getting to know ourselves, getting to know how we, um, how our mind sort of process things and, and work, sort of our personalities. And from there on, we're like, hey, we're going to do it. We're going to see if it helps us, you know, communicate better, get more stuff done, check those goals off the list. Because we found we had so many projects that we were doing them, we were doing them right, but we were doing them the, the long way, the hard way. Um, someone like John, who's been around and he's done this a few times, he knows the shortcuts, he has the tools, he has the techniques and, and, and the ways to do it efficiently. So um, do we need a business coach? No. Has it helped? Yes, substantially. Um, I, 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 I couldn't imagine doing without it because um, it's it, it gives us motivation, it gives us discipline, it... Um, gives us guidance it's um we get to accomplish um our achievements and, and we really do get to celebrate that and it, it's like you know working with just matthew and myself now when we don't agree on something we have another head to bounce those ideas off of instead of just arguing about it until 
we're either going to throw one of each other off the deck. We can sort of say, what's your opinion on this from a third point of view? And that helps move forward and, and move fast and progressively. And yeah, it's, I'm happy we got a business coach, but <laughs> I can tell, I can tell. Yeah. <laughs> Might I add that Lance and Matt are pretty passionate about the business. They're pretty easy to work with mm-hmm. and our sessions are fun. Nice. Nice. Mm. Um, yeah. You mentioned clients from you know six months to three years. And I'm curious, like <laughs> when it comes to therapy, I mean, I'm a big fan of you should go to therapy once a week for a lifetime. You know, I think that's always good. But there are therapists out there that are, are it's to work something out. And, you know, it can be a three to six month process. Are you uh, your personal philosophy <laughs> and your philosophy for what you think business coaches in general should be like? Is it is it to make it over that hump that you described or is it a relationship that should continue for a lifetime a lifetime of the business depends on the business uh, okay. i've got okay. those lifetime relationships that i've been around forever we just uh it never seems to end uh, but sometimes it's hmm. basically get over the hump and show them how to do something for instance uh i've got something called creating a destination workplace and you know, once we do that and put everything in place, then sometimes we go on to other things, but sometimes that's just it. That was their issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'd say about probably about half of my clients go on to multiple years. Okay. Amy, were you going to ask? I was going to, I was going to ask, um, it sounds like you've worked a, a lot of different businesses. Do you find the float business oh. <laughs> to really be that much different than oh. any other business? Or do you find any problems, uh, that float, uh, that float, uh, the float industry might face that others may not? Well, one of my philosophies is I have to get to know the business. Like there's the business of business that doesn't change much. However, in the float business or overhead garage doors or whatever, the products are different. I have to, I have to get to know the business. So in the float shacks uh, place, I float and I love it. Love that. So I understand the business now and I, I float at least twice a month. And um, if I don't, my sleep patterns go all the way all the hell and it was, it's not good so i have to understand the business and that's and that's just one of the prerequisites now i understand the float because i understand the experience and you really have to do that i think john um yeah. when i when i hear you say that i i experience a lot of frustration and i actually get a little angry um not at you don't worry <laughs> at, at my previous business coach um who would always say uh, she was going to come in and float and check it out and everything. She had toured it once, I think on a day we were closed, something like that, before she was even our, our coach. And she never experienced it. And it was always, I always felt this clash of this is the mentality of a floater in our community and her creating this uh this um, strategy for how to brand and get out there and, and spread your social media and everything that didn't resonate with me and I didn't feel like it was going to resonate with our clientele. So hearing you floating twice a month, uh, well, cheers to you and Lance and, and your guys' relationship just drives me bananas. The fact that uh, mine wasn't, um, do, do you, th- <laughs> so you really feel like a business coach truly needs to understand the business. It's not just businesses business. Um, it's rarely just the business. Mm-hmm. You really have to, I'd like to immerse myself in the business business because all businesses, has some level of excitement. The floating business has lots. 
a multi. <laughs> it's it's an emotional experience, hmm. and that's uh, and that's one of the, one of the things I one of the first questions I ask is, what product are you really selling? Yeah. And you know I you get the answer. Yeah, you get the. There's a lot of thought. Dead air, believe me. Uh, <laughs> because then you get I sell floats. Okay. Well, what happens if the float works? Well, you get uh, spinal decompression, you get joints and da 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 da, and muscle relaxation. Well, what happens when that happens? So you have you have to go deep to find out what product you're really selling. Interesting. And earlier mm-hmm. on, Dylan, you were saying something about the experience. Mm-hmm. I suspect that's your product, mm-hmm. is the experience. And how you deliver that experience is absolutely critical once you define what the experience should be. Okay, everybody's got a different view of what that experience might be. Mm-hmm. The float shack has got the vision of what that experience is, and they've designed their whole area based on that. Okay, so people buy results and experience. They don't buy a product. Ah, interesting. Right, sure. Yeah, I, I like the analogy I think you used with, um, was it Budweiser? Or one of the beer companies. <laughs> you say, you say well, what, what is Budweiser really selling? Well, Budweiser is not selling beer. Look right. at the commercial. Look at the commercial. What is it? The commercial is nothing but a nonstop party. It's it's cele- people celebrating a good time, letting go. Y- you don't see the beer in the commercials. You see the, the labeling a little bit, but you see people letting go of their work week and having a good time. Budweiser is selling a good time, not beer. They are. They're selling a lifestyle. And if you look at Nike, what are they selling? Hmm. They're selling goal achievement. You see, so... You have to really drill down deep. Once you get there, how easy it is to market then? If you add a few other layers on, like the second question I ask is, why would anybody buy from you? And that's a hard question. Amy, why would somebody yes. buy from you? Um, well, basically, it's if, it, yeah, why would anybody buy? So the, the real answer is uh, your uniqueness. What makes me different? Yeah. What makes me different than anybody else? And somebody says, we've got uh, $30 floats. Good luck. <laughs> right. <laughs> because all I have to do to scoop your business is come in at 29 right. or something like that. So it's a price driven business. Right. If not, if you're selling experience, it's not price driven at cool. all. And the sooner you get away from that, the better. And if it's, uh, I'm all for and Lance and Matt and I've talked about this for a long time about just simplifying everything price wise and don't make it too complicated. Um, then the next question, uh, who would buy from you? Ah, I think we're that, finally getting to it, Lance. That, that, <laughs> I think that goes back yeah. down to a couple episodes ago when we were finding yeah. our demograph. Mm-hmm. So who? Demographics. And, and this, this is important stuff. Oh, thank you. The demographics are, are really important and because then you can really focus on your audience. Um, so people say, I, I say, what are your demographics? And they say, well, something... Pick something, uh, female, 35 to 50, uh, two kids, married, income of whatever. Can I say, okay, that's kind of nice. What about the psychographics? Silence. It's nice <laughs> to know your audience sort of physically, and but let's take um, two people that fit in that demographics. One drives a Yukon, the other drives a Prius. <laughs> totally different ways of thinking so which one do you want to capture which magazines do they read 
One might read uh, Martha Stewart, the other one might read People, or might read Oprah. Totally different ways of thinking. So if you layer on the psychographics on top of the demographics, now you really are focusing on your audience. Mm -hmm. uh, and you're, you know the magazines they read, you can figure out where they hang out, you can, you can really tailor a marketing campaign to it. I, um, I know when you first came to us and we had to answer that question, um, our answer, I don't think we're the only ones in the industry, but we're like, right. John, everyone should be floating. We got Everybody. people for pain. Everybody. We got stressed people. We got <laughs> athletes. We got psychonauts. We got everyone needs to float. And um, Everybody. I, I had a lot of resistance when, when you were telling us we had to narrow down our demographic. Mm -hmm. And I was like, we're going to be shutting down all these people. You know, athletes won't know about us. These people won't know about us. And I, it was hard to sort of narrow that down, but it felt so good once we narrowed down our market. Well, there's a couple of them we sort of narrowed down to. Oh, you can get another market. That's not a problem, but focus on one at a time. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean the peripheral people like, like the MMA fighters or whoever, mm -hmm. they'll still mm -hmm. come in, but narrow mm -hmm. the audience down and really narrow it down so you can go after them. Uh, and once you capture that and I've got a campaign going, then go after somebody else. Mm -hmm. But do it one at a time. Really understand your, your market. People are afraid to narrow it down because um, it, they lose the opportunistic op, um, uh, ability to market. And to tell you the truth, you'll do a far better job at marketing and it's far easier to market to a narrow group of people. So how, um, let's say we do narrow it down, and I, I don't know if we want to take an example or not of, of a per particular demo and psychographic, but um, what is the first step then to go, it, is it social media? Is it being in a magazine? Can a float center afford that? What it, how do you start approaching reach out for that target group? Well, I think in Lance's case, or the Flowchecks case, uh, their demographics uh, lend it social uh, media very well, like Facebook and those social media campaigns. Uh, we don't really have to do radio or anything like that. Very expensive. Radio, mm -hmm. I find, is a really event-driven uh, media. Mm -hmm. So if you've got an open house, ah. like a big event or something like that, radio's great, mm -hmm. combined with social media. Um, the newspaper, uh, I write an article in the newspaper, but I'm not sure that, like, I've got a column, but... Uh, I'm not sure a whole lot of people read it, to tell you the truth. <laughs> I'm just, it's called covering your bases, and I had some free time. <laughs> so there's, there's lots of other things you can do, but um, uh, it's, it's, uh, the social media, I think, for your experience is really good, and it gets to that demographic. Um, yeah, and then what we try and do is once you've identified that, um, then we have a process, or I have a process that I suggest that takes, and there's just jumps to different levels. For instance, when you define your audience, those are suspects. Okay. They haven't, that's just a definition. There's yellow pages or, or white pages. And the next step is to make them prospects. So prospects are the people that have given you some information, I either email, name, phone number, whatever it is. They've given you something to communicate with them. Okay. Then you can develop a campaign within that, a little marketing thing, get them up to shoppers. And f the float business has lots of shoppers. Shoppers means they buy from you once. Oh, interesting. Mm. Okay, because it's cool. 
Right. Yeah. Uh, and it, they won't experience cool or they party got a bucket conversation. List. Things like that. Sure. Bucket list. Yeah. Yeah. So shopping buys once. Clients buy two or more times. So they become clients with the second time they come back. And there's okay. ways to do that. Um, then you've got member slash advocates. And member slash advocates are clients that are repeat clients, like they bought a year's membership or a monthly membership or something like that. And you treat them special. And you can have events for them. You can do all kinds of things. Um, and they're the people that, when asked, will say really good things about you. And most will get to that level, and that's about it, clients and, and members. However, for the few that become the next step raving fans, mm -hmm. and you probably have some of those. Those are the people that go out and tell everybody how great you are. I Boy, I love those. Isn't that they great? They built a float room for me, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. It's great. Uh, and if you have three or four of those, my God, they're yeah, marketing. so true, nice. though. Right? Point them, yeah. point them yeah. in the right direction. <laughs> yep. It really is. So they'll sell your product for you. So now imagine if you had that all in a row and you had how to get people from marketing and collateral point of view to prospects, how to get prospects to shoppers, shoppers to clients, clients yes. to members. That's and, what then down. and then you could track them and when they drop off, mm. if a whole bunch of people drop off after shoppers, then fix that stage. Right. Don't try and fix the whole thing. So, um, boy, I got a lot of questions based on that. Um, <laughs> but, uh, as, as Amy and Lance know, um, I play video games. And uh, there's a game that came out uh, about, I don't know, two years ago, and it's called Destiny. And what they found was that everybody plays the campaign, the, the single-player-ish story, to, to a certain point. And when they finish that, they're, they don't log on anymore. Now, there's a whole grind that occurs to keep people playing um, until the next expansion comes out, so they keep spending money. But they found that there was a ton of drop-off at that point. But they have access to... IP addresses, they have login information, they can see exactly, they can send a survey out to that person um, automatically to say, hey, why did you stop playing? What, what, and they can figure out how do we br bring in the hooks to have them come back. We, uh, in a brick and mortar situation where a customer, it might be hard to identify um, whether it's a customer uh, or a, I'm sorry, what, a client, how how do we is it simply every time somebody drops a membership and then how do we go about contacting them to find out why or is it different than contacting them how do i how do i learn why somebody's stopping coming in oh um, that was roundabout but i got there right okay <laughs> and i got to talk about video games so i'm, I'm good uh, well to get them to the next level for instance from um, a shopper to a client you may you can identify them as a first float and you may want to offer them a three-pack, a special price only for first, first floaters, right? And you can include maybe that float in it and do more floats uh, for relatively inexpensive price to get them to come back. Because the reality is, I don't think people, from my experience anyways, fully understand what it's like to float unless they do it multiple times, at least twice, mm -hmm. probably three times. Okay, because first time I fell asleep. Now that was great. <laughs> But it took two more times at least for me to really understand it. Sure. Um, so that's just one little thing you can do. Now, as far as um, that's just one thing. So you can do surveys. I mean, you can ask the questions. You can do all those things. Always ask your clients. 
to current clients? Is that sure. what you're saying? Current okay. clients? Um, yes, absolutely. I know there's um, there's this system set up in mind body that if a client floats once and they don't visit for three months or four mm -hmm. months, it'll auto email them and say, Hey, you know, save whatever you want, right. save 10% off a float or what's holding you back from that beautiful post float feeling you felt. Mm -hmm. you know? So you can do things like that. For instance, um, my wife went to a hairdresser and when she didn't show up there for, I think it was four weeks, she got an email saying, we miss you and uh -huh. come back in free shampoo. <laughs> she'd go trust me uh so it's it's just a we miss you kind of thing it's personal and so you can trigger that with mind body or whatever point of sale yeah. or anything you've got there's all kinds of automation that'll look after that like infusionsoft any of those packages that'll mm -hmm. automatically do that for you so I, I feel Lance had, had talked about feeling resistance while having a conversation, and I, I feel a little bit of that with this one, which not, it isn't to say that I'm not willing to completely go down the rabbit hole with you or completely agree with you, but I feel some resistance in the fact and in, in the idea of uh, like I know now that we've been open for years, we have clients who visit twice a year. You know, we have clients who only visit when they have family in town because they're really close and want to spend time with them. I'm assuming. <laughs> It, which I find funny because they're spending time away from them. But, um, <laughs> and, and, uh, so do I want to then send them a, hey, you know, for free shampoo with, with this float? You know, do I want to entice them to come back in for, for more floats? Um, also, we have a lot of people come in from out of town. It's, it's when they're in Portland, um, that they, they join us. Do you have any thoughts on that? And Lance, please, you too. Well, I was just first going to say, like, you can't initially target everyone like we just talked about. Right. Like, mm -hmm. We're talking about narrowing that down to that demograph, that psychograph. And um, let's say that demograph is a psychograph and we want to convert our clients to members. You know, so we're going to focus down on that. If you really want to focus in and see, okay, we got these people that are floating twice a year and we have 30 of them. So if we got 25 of those of those 30 people floating mm -hmm. four times a year. Sure our revenue increase is going to be this much. Mm -hmm. I think John says it costs six times as much to buy or to pay for a new client mm -hmm. than it costs to get a client that's already been there to come back. I don't sure. know if you want to touch on that, John. Or It's at least six. Some people go as high as nine, but it's at least six times as, as expensive. And, and that's not even considering your time. Like giving an introduction requires a lot of time and attention. And it, it, it's almost exhausting, you know, to, to put it all out there for somebody. And so for them to just come in and it's just a friend coming in and you get to send them on up when the float tank's ready, that frees you up. True. So the fact you're feeling resistance to what I said is the beginning <laughs> of a conversation to work our way through to get the result that you want. Cool. And that's part of coaching. Nice, nice. We're coaching. It's happening. Yeah. Yeah, so I would take that a different way. Okay, fine. You've got all these people. Who do you really want to come back? What's uh, important to you? Da 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 da. I want to please everybody. Mm -hmm. It's everybody. That's what's yes. coming up. Yeah, that, yeah. That that really is. And and Lance brings up a good point. Like that is, I think our community really faces that issue across the board. Of we want to appeal to everybody. Um, That's the first actually, thing. Yes, but. In your marketing, when you try to appeal to everybody, you're doing not a great job on any of them. Mm -hmm. So focus, right, right. capture it, focus, capture it, focus, capture it. Cool. Mm -hmm. Lance, were you going to say something? 
I think Amy was. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I was going to say, I know in our business, we find we're constantly retweaking and trying to um, become a little bit better. I, I know. So let me just say that this week I spoke to two different people who are starting float centers or who want to start float centers. And the question that keeps coming up over and over again is, you know, well, who is your demographic mm. and, and who's, who's coming in? Cause they want to know where to focus their marketing efforts. And, um, it, I'm not even sure. And John, you can speak to maybe a good place to start, but I know that, um, that it is a constant, constant process that we're always looking to see once again, where people are falling off and retweaking because, we had some pretty big misses in our, in the beginning of our, uh, of our business that some uh, niches that we tried to go after that mm-hmm. we just, oof, it was not pretty. Mm-hmm. Um, so if somebody was, <laughs> it was like, we put a lot of time, effort and money and we got nada. Huh. And I mean, nada. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so for people who are looking, who don't even know where to start, where would you say a good place to start is? If, if you're just beginning your business. Oh, that's yep. really difficult, simply because <laughs> it, Red Deer's different than Nashville, different than Portland. Yeah. The whole yes. mindset's different. Oh, Everything's sure. different. So it depends mm-hmm. where you are. Uh, why are they starting yeah. the center to begin with? That's the first question I would ask. Mm. You know, what do they want to deliver? Good one. And then look at possible audiences. Is it all going to work first time? Absolutely not. So you are going to have misses. Absolutely. But continue with the process. Yeah. Nothing works okay. every time. I mean, I've even written ads before, and mm-hmm. you know, uh, it took ten iterations of that ad to work. But yeah. guess what? When it did uh, work, it worked well. Sure, 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 sure. And sometimes a it's a word difference. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So persistence is also mm-hmm. a good, <laughs> good characteristic of yes. a business owner. Hmm. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, that brought up something else to me. It's a little bit of a divergence, but uh, Amy brought up talking to people wanting to start their float centers. And um, I've spoken to uh, several people who want <clears throat> to start a float center before having floated. And I know that's come up on the show before, but um, they, they're eager to float or, you know, we stay in contact and then they floated and then, and it does resonate with them. They're, they're already interested in the float business. Um, I mean, I think financial reasons are, are always going to be present to some degree, but also um, I think, the float community or the idea of floating resonates with them in some way. Do you think somebody can come at it from that angle and be successful um, of wanting to start the business before having done the experience? Um, yes, it's hard to be passionate about it unless you really have floated and understand the business you're getting into. Mm-hmm. But if you're, it's purely a business venture then. Mm-hmm. And... You know, the business venture part will work for a short period of time, but what carries you through the hot, the really hard spots is the passion. Yeah. It really does. Sure. Uh, if you don't have a passion for the business, it's easy to give up. Mm-hmm. I'm also not a big fan of people who really like to do something as a hobby, making it a business. Oh, Because they're going to end up hating the hobby, if you know what I mean. Right, right. right. Yep. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. I've heard that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So another thing you should consider also if you're yeah, worried about um, your demographics and is it working is tracking everything. I mean, if it's if you can put numbers to it and track it, please do track everything. For instance, we call those KPIs. Anybody that's had a coach knows what those are, key performance indicators. So we track um, 
Not anybody who's had a business coach, John. Oh. I did not know that term. <laughs> Things in the float industry you want to keep track of is revenue, net profit, but tank utilization individually and as a whole. Because tank utilization and revenue are not necessarily the same thing, right? Revenue sure. can be high one month because of gift certificates. Right. Then low another month, but utilization high because they're cashing the gift certificates. I want to talk a little bit about um, that tracking. Um, we've, hmm. since we started working with John, we started tracking almost everything. So um, that's uh, where people are coming from, how they're hearing about us, why they're coming to us. Um, we've even set up spreadsheets. So how many times a day our phone rings, how many of those people call and actually book a float. So that's taking, uh, I believe that is your prospects. So how many would it be, what would it be, suspects to to shoppers? Yeah. Prospects uh, actually call and give you their names. There's, yeah. So we, after we collect our data, we're going to be able to figure out how many of these clients were actually converting to, you know, from one to the other. Ah, I don't want to get all mixed up. Um, but I've come to see the more data you can track, it seems sort of pointless at the time when you're putting these little ticks after every phone call. But then you look back on that after a month and you're like, wow, we're getting the most phone calls um, on Tuesdays at, you know, between this time and this time. And, you know, you, you know, the more information you have, the better. Maybe we should have extra staff during that time because we're missing calls and they're going to book somewhere else or not at all. Yeah, that's, that's great. Weirdly enough, we seem to get the most phone calls right when we're doing changeover. Like, oh. So do we. <laughs> absolutely. We've been tracking as well, and that's the exact same thing we're seeing. We, we don't track, but that's absolutely the case. Oh, good. So you're both <laughs> tracking. I have, I have a question, and, and John, I'd like your input on this as well, which is as soon as you guys started talking about tracking every phone call, I'm building a spreadsheet in my mind. I'm having every employee put their name in, and I'm even wanting to categorize, like, who are the star employees? You know, who's getting the connectors here and, and leading to uh, um, like, uh, to to booking a float? And then I'm going, ugh. Ugh, that's the big company I used to work for. That's gross. We just um, tick it off. That's all. Make it as simple as possible. Okay. Um, cool. And you can develop scripts from that and close more business. And it's not a script that people read. It's just something to cover off yes. some of the points. But what we do is there's a formula. And the reason why I gave you one um, sort of a process, but there's a formula out there called Five Ways. So if you take the number of prospects that actually call in and times that by your conversion rate, let's say 100 people call in and 50 people book for floats, okay? That's conversion rate of 50%, which means you've got 50 new clients or 50 clients. And you multiply that by the average dollar sale and the average dollar sale could be what? Let's say $45 or $50, whatever. Uh, times sure. the number of transactions these people have in a year, number of transactions you have in a hmm. year, and that pretty much equals your revenue. So number <laughs> of clients times the average dollar sale times the number of transactions equals your revenue times your profits hmm. or your margins equal your profits. So there's only five things you can do. You can alter prospects, um, the hmm. conversion, average dollar sale, number of transactions, and margins. If you can take those five, no matter what your numbers are, and you can increase each one of those five by just 10%, you'll increase your bottom line profit by 61%. <laughs> That's beautiful. 
Yeah, that, that brought and, a tear to my eyes. Yeah. And <laughs> if you can do that, and that's so that means tracking's worthwhile. At right, like retail right. stores uh, franchises track average dollar sale. In fact, they even have contests based on that. They really do all the time. Sure. So yeah, yep, yeah. That's a guideline on what you can do. So if you just keep track of it and awareness, that will almost get you that ten percent. That's great. That's great. That's yeah. Well, first yeah, of all, just like anytime you put anytime something, something attention, attention on something, something. like even if you're you're dieting, dieting, if you just write down, you you're just you going to eat just better, better just because, because you're paying, you're paying more attention, more attention, attention to it. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so. so uh, uh, yeah, that just, yeah, that just that totally <laughs> is resonating with me on, on so many levels right now. It's um, it's fantastic, and um, all of a sudden puts into perspective. Like Amy has talked about, like we're trying to get you know a ten percent increase of revenue this month, and I'm like, I don't know how we would predict revenue increase. I don't know how that works. Um, and all of a sudden, you really put into perspective how to approach that, um, which it's is nice. It's just a breakdown. It's just a breakdown that mm-hmm. tends to work. Uh, people's accountants say you need more revenue, or people say that, right, but they right, never right. explain how to go and get it. Yeah, yeah. you know, and, and, and I feel like, one, oh, sorry, go ahead. Each one of those five, there's probably 40 or 50 different things you can do for each one of those five, of which probably, realistically, maybe five or six apply to your business. But okay. if you can get five or six strategies on each one of those, and you keep track, mm-hmm. 10% is, you'll get more than that on some. That's awesome. Um, I feel like uh, so much attention goes into starting float centers. Uh, again, because we're such a new thing, like we talk about soundproofing, we we do talk about demographic, but just everything about getting off the ground. Um, we initially got uh, a business coach because we experienced a, I don't, I don't know if a lull, but like a, a hump and we needed to get over that. Basically what you were describing at the, the beginning of, of when you came on here, of just this, this um, malaise i don't know exactly how to describe it but business is good it's fine but we didn't know how to keep pushing and uh um i feel like that's where a lot of businesses also have an issue is okay we got off the ground we exist now what the hell do we do and and lance even like with his relationship with his business partner like how do we communicate now like everything was geared towards creating this thing um and and then what um so even even that uh bit of insight feels feels very valuable to me one of the things i do if i'm dealing well no matter whether i'm dealing with partners or not i do a disc you ever heard of disc it's called personality profiling but it's not really because a personality your personality includes your sense of humor and everything about you this is more about communication okay and there's four quadrants and you fit into one of them but it's almost infinite where you could fit for instance, I'm an I, so I talk a lot. You may have picked up on that. And, and Thank I, God you have something to say, though, John. And I'm very people-oriented, so talk a lot, people-oriented. If, if you draw a vertical line and a horizontal line crossing in the middle, the upper right would be where I am. So above, above that horizontal line is, is uh, fast-paced. Below that is reflective. If you take the vertical line to the left of it is very task oriented to the right of it is very people oriented. Mm. Uh, so task oriented, skeptical, questioning, warm and fuzzy and talks a lot on the other side. <laughs> um, so the reflective people that are people oriented are the people that say, I'm just going to think about that. You know, but they're very, <laughs> they hate conflict. Uh, they're uh, very democratic. They want to talk to people and get a decision. Da, da, eyes like me, we make a decision like that. Mm. 
again, what's on the left side above that high, that um, fast-paced is D's. D's, everybody knows what a D looks like there. The, uh, they speak in short clipped sentences. They're very task-oriented, very domineering. They use um, conflict for recreation because they're really powerful. They mm. can do that. Wow. Uh, so, um, and below that is a C, and those are the engineers and accountants, detailed mm. people. Yeah, those, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so here's a little thing. Uh, people that partner, my wife, for instance, and I'm an I, so she's a C. She's my polar opposite. And that's not the rule, but in general, that's true. Sure. Cool. Matt, Matthew is almost polar opposite of me as well. And how do you and how do you guys line up, Lance? Um, well, we never used to line up very good, but now I understand how he sees the world. And like he's really someone that needs it to be. I'm someone's like, oh, my God, I got an idea. I want to build it. We can do this. Then we can do this. And then it, there's so much coming in a creative aspect with me uh-huh. and Matthew. It's be like, OK, you need to do that. Um <laughs> If I just throw it at him, he'll shut it down. But if I come yes, and be like, yes. hey, man, I, uh, you know, wrote this down here. I think we can do this. It'll cost us $2,000, but we can make like three grand over, you know, two months. Like if I present it like him, he'll be able to t- digest it. So being polar opposite, if when we didn't know we were polar opposite, it was bang, bang, right, bang, bang. Right. But now it's like, oh, we did the disc and the alignment and everything. It's like, oh, I I get how you work. You're nice. like my old boss. Uh, <laughs> so, you um, you and Matt are just like Sandra and I in every single way. Um, no, I'm just kidding. But you you guys are very similar in, in the fact that she used to be so upset at me, furious at me because I would shoot down her ideas. Mm-hmm. But in my mind, I wasn't shooting down her ideas. I was questioning the steps of it, you know, and and like let's break this down. Um, which would basically just break her heart, you know, is it was just her, shutting down her creativity. And so like what, what you guys probably figured out in a meeting or two, it, it's taken us three to four years to get to the point where we understand each other and how we work. Um, so she knows how to present things to me better and I know how to receive her better and, and we're in a better way with that. But it's, it's funny that you two as business partners have attracted each other that way. Sandra and I as business partners and life partners have attracted each other that way. Amy, I've got a feeling you and Mark... <laughs> Might be the same way. Yes. Is that right? I like numbers. I like plans. And yeah. And when he can't answer my questions, when he just throws an idea at me and he can't answer my questions, it, yeah, it causes issues. I, I also find um, being opposite, like where, where my qualities fail, Matt picks up on. And where Matt's qualities fails, I can pick up there. So sure. yeah. combined, we're a pretty good <laughs> <cool>. entity, a <laughs> pretty big force. John, is there room for a... Uh, for me being creative and Sandra being the analytical one, the questioning, is it is can the can people switch and toggle as well? Yes. Um, for instance, I'm a really high eye. I mean, <laughs> like crazy high. So for me, the difficult stuff is um, really focusing on things like financials, hmm. like for any period of time. <laughs> An accountant engineer lives in that level of detail. I. I can't, um, sure, sure. but I know how to now I've, I've trained myself and developed, I can do two hours on a set of financials and I can get an amazing amount done. And that's pretty much it. And you can always tell when somebody's done, they get up and walk around for a while. <laughs> and, <laughs> but when you get up and walk around, there's not a chance in hell you're going to get back to where you were. <laughs> but I just have to walk, just to go and get coffee. I have to walk around. They're done. Yeah. So okay, cool. I've trained myself to actually be able to focus for that period of time. So yes, I can be a C 
for a period of time. I can be a D really easily because I'm close to that line. An S, uh, I could probably, I've got one of my kids that's an S. <laughs> Gets me nuts. <laughs> but, but anyways, uh, yes, so you can be any one of those for a short period of time. You're not just um, in that spot and not movable. It's, you can be anywhere for a brief period of time. Interesting. Okay. And so when you're polar opposites, um, when it really works, it's phenomenal. Hmm. Can you imagine, well, I can't imagine working with another person just like me. Right. It would probably drive both of us crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Because, I mean, really not much would get done, but the world would be visioned as as a great place to live, but not not a whole lot would get done. A lot of great ideas. (laughs) Anyway, so that's, that's one of the things I, I teach is, is communications, and I use DISC for that. And we have uh, working with reports, things like that, uh, group culture for businesses, all kinds of things. Cool. There's a sales version, management version, leadership version. And um, we even did uh, something very similar to DISC with our employees to see sort of how they learn and process things. Um, but there's... Uh, three different types of learners. Someone, some way, uh, some may learn best by say reading something. Mm-hmm. Some may need to be hands-on. Someone may need to watch a video, mm-hmm. and um, getting to know your employees and how they um, can digest things the best is, you know, a good way to create a manual or a procedure for them. If one of our employees they like to read and that's how they digest it, you know, we're going to write that manual down. But there may be another employee that wants to actually you to go through it multiple times with them hands on. And, um, it, you know, our goal is to have all of our manuals in three different, Mm -hmm. you know, sort of forms, Mm -hmm. like an audio form, a text form and a video form as well. That's sort of our goal. But, um, personality is a huge thing when you're working with other people, especially a business partner. And, um, you never want it to be uncomfortable to be working with someone in your immediate space, whether it be an employee mm-hmm. or a business partner. And if they're having a bad day, uh, it sort of helps to understand why they're having a bad day. And I don't know. I don't know. It's very important to know personality, I think. And when we first did that disc project, I was like, oh, my. Ugh, I hate getting to know myself like this. I don't want to answer these questions. <laughs> like, I, this is useless. And then That's it's hilarious. done and you read it. And I took some like a week or two to digest it. And I'm like ah, this makes sense. And then the first time I approached Matt about something in a completely different way, click. I was like, oh, yeah, I get this game. This is just a game. It's a tango. We're just tangoing. So So Lance is right. I mean, the personality profile does work. And he was talking a little bit about uh, learning modalities. We call that a VAC. It's uh, visual, audio, and kinesthetic. So... Mm -hmm. Most of our communication is audio-based, and that can be reading or words, spoken words. Amazingly enough, only 20% of the population respond to that. You ever talk to somebody and give them instructions and they got this blank look on their face, and they say, no problem, and walk away, and you know it's going to be wrong. If anything happens, it's going to be wrong. And I say, write it down. I'm sure you've had a walkthrough like that. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Yeah, that's why I'm doing this all the time. Like, pay attention to me. Yeah. So about 40% of the population is is uh, visual, and the other 40% is kinesthetic, which means touch-feel. You know, people pick up um, things in the grocery store, 
tactile. Mm-hmm. So they have to experience it. So if you're doing manuals, I had, a, I had um, one person tell me that ABC company had a great set of procedures. It was in binders on a shelf. They took it off, blew the dust off it, opened it up. It was just great. Well, backspace to blow the dust off it. Right, exactly. Um, exactly. So, I mean, procedures really like walkthroughs and how to do things should be uh, like on video and, and things like If you take a picture of something, you say clean the room. If you take a picture of the end result, the chances are much better you'll get close to that than if you just described what it was going to be like right right and said go do it great point if you have a video on how to do it it's even better and that goes for like cleaning a float tank or doing check-in ph now clandy like mm-hmm. if you were to write that down if i had to read how to do water testing mm-hmm. that's difficult for me but if you can make a video showing you right. you know dip the strip or use your tester and you know it's that's a lot easier to digest for for me, for sure. Nice. Kinesthetic people, if you explain why, they get a better experience and even better. So, yeah. So the learning modalities are really important. Uh, well, John, I um, I don't think any of our listeners are going to be happy that I want to wrap up this show, but um, I, I think we do need to bring it to a close. Uh, first, I'd like to ask uh, if, uh, if you'd ever like to come back on the show, because I just... Uh, thought this was incredibly valuable and i know that our listeners are going to would you ever be willing to join us again absolutely awesome blast wonderful (laughs) thanks john um so john works with float shack with with lance and and the float shack but he he obviously as everybody now knows he knows floating um and i think he's also interested in working with other people um in the float industry across uh, canada and the u.s and we're on skype right now so he he can certainly talk to you face to face as well um and i'll be talking to sandra about working with you um after this recording so um <laughs> if anybody would like to get in contact with you john how would they do that john at the business training hub okay and we'll we'll put that on the artoffloating.com in the show notes here so you can click on that and just email him directly Perfect. that'd be great i appreciate it excellent of course um is there anything else anybody wants to share before we wrap up between lance and amy uh, i would like to say something please um, I should have said this at the top of the show, um, but I never did. Um, some exciting stuff from CFC, oh, okay. uh, the nonprofit association, Canadian Float Collective. Um, as we are in our second year as running as an association, uh, we're now starting to look to obtain some funding. So um, insurance is coming up. That's multiple thousands of dollars, which, um, quite frankly, most of us are still putting into our business. Mm-hmm. And there's web costs, email costs. They're all adding up. Um, just part of what comes with doing a nonprofit association. But um, our traditional platform for raising money is different than the traditional membership fee sort of um, platform. So how we want to do this is we want to um, raise money through our community. So we want all these float centers or anyone willing to participate to um, join us in April as we're running a float-a-thon. So um, that's an event where basically we're going to be seeing who can float the most in one month by offering discounted rate floats. Mm. Um, How we have it work is um, each center will sort of have a prize um, that they award the person that floats the most. And um, 50% of the proceeds will go back to CFC to help us pay for these costs. Um, We're doing really good things. We're hopefully getting this approved by insurance. Um, We all have good intentions and goals. And a lot of us have been putting our own money in and we are now reaching out for help in the community so if you are willing to participate 
in the Floatathon in the month of April with your center, um, that would be completely awesome. Uh, you can email us at uh, Canadian Float Collective at gmail.com or you can message us on Facebook or anything like that. But uh, currently, I think we have six centers participating, uh, a few more interested. Um, but yeah, please just let us know if you are interested. Uh, that's all I have to say. And is it only Canadian float centers? No, invited? no, no, no. It's not only na- Canadian float centers at all. The work okay. we're doing is to help the industry in whole. Hmm. But um, as per tax jurisdictions we sort of had to focus in canada uh, sure but okay. um yeah like any money we generate is to help the whole float industry so um yes anyone willing to participate will have marketing material um it'll be a fun little challenge throughout all these centers get everyone working together um yeah nice awesome cool i can't wait to participate sweet cool amy is there anything you wanted to say before we wrap up I just want to say a big thank you to John. Uh, there's some really great information, and I I know that when I talk to people, I think the disconnect, everybody's so passionate about the floating industry, and the disconnect does seem to be when it comes down to collecting information and really knowing where to go next. So I'm really, really super excited um, to have you on, um, to have had you here tonight uh, with so much great information that even as we talk to people who look to start float centers, um, we can pass that along and, and really help, help a lot. So thank you so much. Well, thank you. Love being here. Love the industry. Nice. John, is there anything you want to leave our listeners with? Anything you want to say? The three questions, answer those three questions and it's a huge start to a successful business uh, about what your product is and why would anybody buy from you and who would buy from you? Okay. Three awesome. critical awesome. questions. Thank you so much, John. I echo Amy's sentiment, and uh, you've been a wonderful guest. Thank you so much. And thanks for being our first live guest, too. It's been a lot of fun. Oh, fun for me, too. Nice. Until next week, everybody. We'll see you next week. You're listening to the Art of Floating podcast.